We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Touchdown. It's the week six recap show here on Road of His Overtime. It's Colin Kelly. It's Sean Siegel. Sean. An interesting week. We messaged before the game. We said we were excited for this one. There was a lot of exciting plays, particularly with the rookies that happened today, or the, the younger players. Excited to jump into them with you on today's podcast. But we are ready to recap not all the games today, but as many of the games as we can. We'll be back later in the week with more information and reaction to the rest of those games as we bring you three shows again this week. Sean, the disappointment today is we get losses for my Packers, your Chiefs, your Chiefs losing in slightly different circumstances to the the Packers, but um, we get sometimes we get you know double wins for both teams. The Packers are on back to back losses over the the last two weeks, but lots to break down in both of those games. Positive fantasy notes, negative fantasy notes. So we're going to talk about them all. NFL Week Six is done through Sunday Night Football at this point. How are we feeling as we get ready to to dive into it here? God, I mean, this was a crazy week of football, a fun week of football. In some ways, I think we were back to a more normal fantasy week where the good players mainly scored, the more peripheral players mainly did not. But from a reality perspective, again, just so many new developments. And I, I mean, that keeps the the league fresh, the weekend fresh. And I think that we know some things now that we didn't know before. And that... Yeah is always interesting as we take the next step. And we had a highlight game, a headline game with the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Buffalo Bills there in Arrowhead. And it did not disappoint. And if you're a Kansas City fan, I had to, to walk that one off after the game because it was, I mean, it, it's a tough loss. You, you wanted to win that one. But in terms of a, a game perspective, from a pure fan perspective, you didn't have a rooting interest. I mean, this game really came through. I don't think you can ask for too much more than that. No, I don't think you can. And, you know, there's some games where we talk about after and we discuss teams not going for teams not, you know, trusting the offense or trying to go and trust their franchise quarterback. This was a game where both teams knew that they kind of had to go and put up those points to compete against what they are familiar with and a familiar opposition in which I believe they are going to be familiar with for a number of years going forward with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen at quarterback. We have the Buffalo Bills pulling it out in the end, 24-20 situation where they do go for it in fourth down 
the commentary team at the time, you know, talking about would you would you punt this away? And obviously the easy call there is they talk about because it's, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs and and how things are set up here, you you have to kind of go for it. But still, Sean, there's been some fourth down plays over the last two or three weeks. And, you know, the the media still are not on board with the, you know, the quote unquote the they seem to think that analytics sometimes is a made-up word when we should go for it rather than punt it in these situations. But the Bills make the call. They get the touchdown through Dawson Knox. They get the win. Big, big win for them. Josh Allen doing Josh Allen things. Patrick Mahomes doing Patrick Mahomes things. But the one questionable point I think we'll probably come to is the interception in the uh, red zone, which was kind of a the, the poorest play probably of the game from his side. Allen, three, two, nine, and three touchdowns from him. We also get him with 32 yards on the ground. Devin Singletary leads the way again, dominating that backfield. He gets 17 carries for 85 yards, but James Cook then, outside of Josh Allen, the next closest running back in rush attempts, only the two rush attempts for him in this one. Stefan Diggs, the big story here again, 148 and a touchdown, 10 receptions, 13 targets, looks fantastic. Gabe Davis, six targets, does kind of the, what he does is he gets a lot of yards on his receptions with that touchdown as well which was a big play i thought sean overall this game very very interesting both teams really going for it which is what you want to see you want to see both teams trying to win sometimes we're looking at these games we'll talk about it maybe when we get to the packers as teams trying not to lose and and not really pushing to try and you know play to those strengths juju smith schuster has his breakout game here as a chief as well 113 yards one touchdown for him travis kelsey 108 and eight receptions for him being a Chiefs fan sometimes, Sean, you know, this is obviously a tougher game probably to talk about after not getting that win against a, a conference rival, which will probably see these two teams, you know, potentially clash in the, the AFC Championship game again here when it comes back to playoff time. But what was your overall takeaways from this from a, a fantasy football perspective? Well, like, as you mentioned, the Juju Smith-Schuster emergence, and a lot of it happens on that one play, but you do need to see that play from him he has another long gain later in the game where his lack of long speed is evident but you're going to need him to be able to take some of these plays run after the catch some give them a second weapon in addition to travis kelsey that part was very positive obviously here you have marquez valdez gantling just sort of cratering down the production board he has three targets zero receptions just is not a threat at all and, and probably slightly is. unfortunate with the uh he did have a, a touchdown callback which was slightly unfortunate and i think that was maybe one of the early plays of the game at the time yeah and that was a one of a number of plays that i think if you're a chiefs fan you're pretty frustrated with the officiating the i mean there have been some illegal man downfield calls this season that are pretty glaringly obvious i don't think that this one was it, it's not something that we're looking for as fans. That's not a play that is in any way affecting the game. You hear the commentators all the time talk about down the field when these guys are uh, hand fighting and when the defense is committing defensive pass interference, like let them play, let them play. You don't hear let them play too often when the offensive linemen are holding. You don't hear let them play too often when you have these kinds of penalties that have no impact on the game. But I mean, the officials are making their, their presence felt in a way that is completely and totally inappropriate. You see that a lot more with the other kind of big play in this game with Juju Smith-Schuster, where he's called for a phantom taunting penalty. You go back and look at the penalty that cost them the game against the Colts, where guys are just standing there talking. You just would like to see the officials step away from the situation here and not 
egregiously impact what is a, a fantastic game. There's so many missed calls in this game. You do have the tripping penalty where the Bills have to punt, where Chris Jones is not called on the next drive. You have, I mean, it's not flagrant in terms of the way that it impacts the play itself that was happening out in front. But you have a very flagrant hold that instead of the Bills in a situation where they're going to need to extend that drive, having to face a very difficult down and distance situation, they have a very good one. That's one that, I mean, anybody watching can call. You don't, there's no like judgment call. There's no, the official has to be in the right place at the right time. I mean, this one happens right in the middle of the play, right out there in front of everyone. It, it's, it's really unclear what the officials are doing, especially after you have a phantom offensive pass interference on Travis Kelsey. Again, a huge play in this game. The officials just need to do a better job. And if you're a Bills fan, then, you know, the play that stands out to you again is the tripping penalty, which a very obvious penalty the officials can't afford to be missing. But I think the big takeaway in this game is that both defenses play extremely well. And that part of it emphasizes the point, which I think everybody's going to more or less agree on, which is that these are the two best teams in football and nobody else is particularly close. We do see the Philadelphia Eagles go to 6-0. and They did make some plays in this game. I think when you're looking at the second half of that game, and the Eagles kind of going into a shell, taking a bunch of suboptimal runs, taking the ball out of the hands of guys like A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, who when they were allowed to play in this game, they both scored touchdowns. They look good. They beat the Dallas defenders. You do have some injuries on the offensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles that are impacting their ability to protect the quarterback at times, and yet it's also going to make it more difficult for them to run the ball. And so from that perspective, again, use your playmakers if you're going to almost blow this game to a Dallas Cowboys team playing a backup quarterback that doesn't have a lot of offensive talent, then, I mean, you can't be considered in the same conversation with the Chiefs and the Bills. So again, you, you look at the Chiefs, you look at the Bills, the Chiefs play fantastic defense. Ben and I talked on Ceiling Bananas that they have built their team around being able to compete with and stop the Bills as we look forward to the next decade. As you just mentioned, I mean, this is going to be the battle for, I mean, ideally the next 10 to 15 years with these two young quarterbacks. I mean, you could see these guys playing into their early 40s. And at that point, you know, being the two biggest names really in, in football history, they've got a long way to go, obviously, to compete with Tom Brady. But one of the fun stats was last week uh, showing just when Patrick Mahomes could eclipse him. He won't need to play nearly as long as Brady has because he's a lot better than Tom Brady. And so from that perspective, uh, it's fun to see where this rivalry could go for it to come down to the end. You know, I'm, I'm sure, again, from a Bills perspective, there are things they feel like they could have done to win this game and have it not be as close, but they did do the things they needed to do. Stephon Diggs, you know, uncoverable at every level of the field, looked extraordinary, and Gabe Davis doing what he needs to do, which is to capitalize when the opportunity is there, and he makes those big plays. I think that he's going to get more volume as we go forward. I mean, if, you, if there's anybody out there who has Gabe Davis and is willing to sell because the target share or the target numbers are not where you want them to be, I mean, pay almost whatever. I mean, there are going to be some limits, but pay what you need to to get Gabe Davis. He looks – I mean, he's basically T. Higgins in an offense that isn't disappointing. But we'll talk about the, the Bengals in a minute. They finally did do some positive things this weekend. But the Buffalo Bills look fantastic. They obviously have one of the top three or four defenses in the entire NFL. The Chiefs still trying to make sure that they establish that. I think that 
again, when you look at this game, they're on their way there. The other thing that really sort of differentiates these two teams, Devin Singletary, 17 for 85, also effective as a receiver. On the other hand, the Chiefs have absolutely nothing, right? Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 9 for 33, just, you know, running in sand, running in cement, whatever you want to say there. Isaiah Pacheco actually had a pretty nice play, but just gets the two carries for nine yards in this game. Jerick McKinnon, very ineffective used as a short yardage back in a couple of situations he does catch three passes take those for 29 yards but these guys are getting tackled on one-on-one situations they're getting tackled where they appear to have the angle for the first down uh, these players are supposed to be fast they're supposed to have speed they don't break a lot of tackles specifically Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Jarrett McKinnon I mean they're not going to beat guys once they have their hands on them if they're also not going to be able to beat the defenders to the corner then I mean you've got to get somebody else in there the contrast here and again i mean you can say that this is hindsight but we were encouraging the chiefs especially with that second pick in the first round that if Brees hall is there remedy that mistake that you made with jonathan taylor don't try and prove to us that the clyde edwards alaire pick was okay now again the chiefs are trying to take this defense to the next level and the kansas city chiefs are doing what you want teams to do what the buffalo bills are doing which is to be elite on both sides of the ball you don't want your identity to be josh allen and nothing else you don't want it to be patrick mahomes and nothing else you want your team to be clearly the best team in the nfl which means dominating on both sides the chiefs take those two defensive players to try and push in that direction the young guys still are kind of on their way But when you look at what Patrick Mahomes is dealing with and you look at those two mistakes, right? You say, if you don't throw that ball that you don't need to throw in the end zone in the first half, then you kick a field goal and it changes the situation at the end of the game there. You just need a field goal and maybe you're not pressing so hard. The throw at the very end, obviously a mistake as well. Again, you kind of feel him pressing a little bit. Now you you say, if you kick that field goal, everything else changes. So we get a completely different scenario. It's not really that you'd actually just need a field goal at the end. The other one that was disappointing. I mean, you have Harrison Bucker return to the chiefs, kick a 62 yard field goal where it looks like it could have been good from much further. It feels like it's only a matter of time until Harrison Bucker breaks the NFL record for longest field goal. Right. But then he misses a 51 yarder where I mean, he kicks over the goalposts, but misses it barely wide. That play also, you have those three points in there. I mean, I, I, it's so tempting to think when it's Bills, Chiefs, you got to score touchdowns, you got to score touchdowns, you got to go for it and everything. But you don't know what's going to happen. And your defense could play extremely well, as both teams' defenses did in this game. And it could come down to that field goal. If he makes the 51 yarder again, everything else changes. But you have a situation where maybe you just need the field goal at the end of the game. This was a fantastic game to watch. Buffalo Bills fans have to be extremely excited. Chiefs fans have to be disappointed, but there are some silver linings. The Chiefs still have more things that they have to do. I mean, they're the second best team in football and the second best team by a good margin, but there are some simple things that they could address, like playing a decent running back, and you probably close that gap and you're right there. We'll see how the next couple of weeks develop. One of the things that has is a little bit of a stealth story here as you're looking at the battle for the number one seed. I mean, from tiebreaker perspective, this is a, a huge game for the Buffalo Bills. But I think surprisingly, the AFC West is looking much weaker than anticipated. And the AFC East is looking much more competitive. I mean, the New England Patriots are going to end up being one of the best teams in football. You have a game today where the Dolphins with you know, second and third string QBs blow a game that they should have won against the Vikings, but they've got wins over both the Patriots and the Bills. 
know, two of the best teams in football. They're going to be very good. And then probably the next thing to get to here, the New York Jets. The Jets are a quarterback away, maybe like a backup caliber quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. They absolutely humiliate and hammer the Green Bay Packers today. And that's despite the fact that Zach Wilson is not even a good backup. He is not a good quarterback at this. We'll say at this moment in time, I was saying before the show, Sean, that the, the Packers are not a good team at this moment in time. And you're trying to kind of tell me that it might not be as bad as uh, that I was stating it to be. But Zach Wilson in this game, if you say that you get a quarterback that you hold to 10 completions for 110 yards, you're probably saying like, yeah, we probably do okay in this game. But the problem is if you're playing against Brees Hall and New York Jets defense and the special teams come up with a, a really great play where they they block a punt get a touchdown that is going to be a well-rounded football team that's going to put a lot of pressure on you to try and win a game the Packers in this offensive line was you know non-existent at times in this one Rodgers under a lot of pressure the Packers put up the 10 points 27 for the Jets but the story here Sean there's only one story and that story is is Brees Hall 20 carries 116 yards and a touchdown Michael Carter looked good in this game as well both running backs looking good but he goes for 41 yards and six carries Backfield completely dominated by Brees Hall. Uh, outside of Zach Wilson, if we take him out of things, there is just the 28 carries, 20 of them going to Brees Hall, just two targets for him, two receptions, five yards. But overall here, this game is just truly dominated by Brees Hall, who looks fantastic. I mentioned the concerns from a Packers defensive side to you as well earlier, but you know, there's only Brees Hall. If you make any errors, Brees Hall is going to make you look silly in these sort of games. The Packers... The only real uh, two players of note, I would say, Tonyan has his biggest game since coming back from his injury. Ten for ninety for him, four for seventy-six, and a touchdown for Alan Lazard. Similar issues here in this one for the Packers. Then when we talked about last week, so we probably won't dive into the Packers side too much. Is when they played the Giants, not really using the run game very often. Just the nine carries for uh, Aaron Jones, nineteen yards. We get ten carries for forty-one for Dylan, but a lot of the time those guys getting stoned. A bit like you mentioned with the. Chief stoned in the backfield as they try and even get anything out of these plays and um yeah so we'll go to Brees Hall Sean I think's the the positive way to to talk about this game <laughs> yeah he looks extremely impressive here he's one like not even block but just Zach Wilson getting in the way of a defender from having a second touchdown which we've we seen Kyler Murray do very similar uh in the in the Cardinals game real business decision there and at the at the two-yard line I believe it was by Zach Wilson yeah so they, they actually had a lot of chances for Brees Hall to get that second touchdown at the end of the game where it didn't really matter they're more or less just trying to run the game out but in fantasy that that touchdown is a big deal so that part was disappointing I mean we've been raving about him for weeks he looked very very good nothing changes there and that's a problem for the receivers because when you have, you know, maybe already the best running back in the NFL and your quarterback can't play at all, then you're going to have very low pass volume. Only 18 attempts today for Zach Wilson, as you mentioned, 110 yards. No targets <laughs> I, for Elijah Moore. Yeah. I I mean, Elijah Moore probably is, is already ready for a trade. Here, Corey Davis does catch two of his four for 52 yards. Garrett Wilson, one catch on five targets. Uh, you know, no bad behavior from him in a game that the Jets win, a good teammate, but obviously very disappointed in just how bad the decision-making and accuracy is there 
for Zach Wilson. These guys are completely and totally unplayable in the short term. You're going to need an injury to Wilson or some real development before you can even consider playing these guys again. Probably all of them are droppable in all but the deepest redraft leagues. Obviously, when you're looking at Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson in Dynasty, they have still very, very significant value. If you have a team that's not competing for a title this year, you want to go out and try to acquire them. Of course, in some cases, having those guys on your team is going to be one of the reasons why you're not competing. But you're going to need something very significant to change, and that's tough if the Jets are going to be as good as they look to be. Now, again, because they're playing in the AFC East and they're generally going to be losing to the Bills and the Patriots and probably the Dolphins. I mean, this can turn around a little bit for them to where they don't look quite this good by the end of the season. But right now they're four and two, they're three and oh on the road. I mean, Zach Wilson is not going to get the criticism that he probably deserves in a situation like this where the team is having some success when he's out there. You look to the Packers side and I, I mean, this is one of the reasons why both Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon were overvalued right this is a situation where the fact that there isn't a great receiving game that doesn't play into their hands as much as people were arguing there is some potential for them to catch some passes aaron jones catches three for 25 aj Dillon actually catches four but only goes for 11 yards they're being swarmed under but the fact that there is no threat in the passing game and that's almost impossible to believe that you can say with Aaron Rodgers. It is a situation where in some of these other instances where quarterbacks are struggling without a lot of talent around them, you think back to the actually very good game that Justin Fields had on Thursday night. And it's easier to understand when you see Aaron Rodgers looking like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, it's easy to, to focus on Russell Wilson and just how bad he has been with the Denver Broncos. But I mean, again, the situation with Aaron Rodgers and I mean, you and I are going to, go back and forth and and joke about this but in terms of taking away his mvps i mean you cannot play like this after an mvp season and i mean he obviously wasn't deserving of it last year but this just hammers that home i mean there's just no excuse for how poorly he's playing and it there's this continued kind of throw the receivers under the bus element to it you get nine targets for romeo dobbs but the passes are not well thrown he only catches four for 21 robert tanyan 10 for 90. Tanyan did seem like a guy who was probably undervalued at the tight end position. I don't have shares of Tanya. I, I couldn't make myself go out and make those picks. He hasn't really paid off until this game, but especially in tight end premium, you get those 10 receptions. The Jets basically covered everybody else and said, if you want to dump the ball off of Tanyan, we're, we're fine with that. You're not going to beat us through Robert Tanyan. Alan Lazard does have a very nice touchdown catch, but otherwise continues to struggle. And, and you go back to those running backs. They combine for 19 carries and only 60 yards as good as they are. And they are both very, very good. This is the problem that you start to run into when the rest of your offense just can't play. I agree. The offense has really struggled. I talked last week about, you know, continuing to take those deep shots and yeah, you, you have to take them, you know, if if the defense is showing that. But I feel like at the, at this particular point, defenses are almost saying like you can't beat us with these wide receivers. So we're going to stack the box and then, you know, Packers are checking into those pass plays. And it feels like the year prior to the Rogers winning the MVP, we had a situation where there was like these, you know, overthrowing balls that were always 
half a yard overthrowing and the timing just wasn't syncing up then we have obviously the the massive kind of comeback from him two mvps even though sean wants to take those mvps away from him but the timing is just not there in this offense you can say that's young players but that's happening no matter where the ball is going there was some weather condition issues in this one but if you are looking at the highlights of this game which for the packers side there's not gonna be a huge amount outside of that touchdown that you mentioned to lazard but you're in a situation where we're constantly seeing wide receivers with their hands outstretched the ball falling a yard to a yard and a half out of it now the thing is if they can start to get that timing down those plays are going to start to rack up yards and rack up points but at the moment it's just so inconsistent very hard to trust impossible to trust the running backs at this particular point so yeah we'll see what happens with the packers moving forward but yeah i'm, I'm almost ready to to cut the to say that this is not the year for the Packers. The one thing keeping me with some hope is the way the playoff system has changed. But from a fantasy perspective, it's going to be very hard to, to trust these guys moving forward. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sean, you mentioned the jets having the possibility to you know continue to try and get Brees hall that second touchdown in this one which obviously didn't happen somebody who could have had a second touchdown that was a very interesting game as well is the new york jets who beat the packers last week i think these new york teams are going to be much better than people were giving them credit for before the season and this is the part of where people talk about this players and this offense you can't draft them in that offense uh, like you know and i know the seahawks didn't have a great high scoring performance this week but we've seen that from the seahawks we've seen that from the lions we've seen that now from the jets where people were saying you shouldn't draw or you, not that you shouldn't but a lot of comments that we're drafting too many players and too many bad teams but saquon barkley and the giants look really good playing real competitive football they are five and one i've seen that this is the most wins that the combined new york teams have had at this point of the season for for quite some time so they beat the baltimore ravens the Ravens now three and three. Lamar Jackson, not his best game, I don't think we'll say on this one, but Saquon Barkley looks really good. 22 for 83 and one touchdown. He does slide down inside the five at the very end. A very good footballing play, very heads up, very smart play. But I think we'll it'll be interesting when people are counting up those fantasy points, you know, late on Monday night after Monday night football or when it comes to Tuesday morning. And, you know, maybe those six points from Saquon Barkley could have been the, the difference in getting them over the edge. But I don't think Barkley is going to be overly worried about that. He leads the backfield here again. Daniel Bellinger gets in the end zone, 38 yards for him on five receptions. The part that I was interested to talk, Sean, about was Wendell Robinson active here, gets four targets, three receptions, 37 yards, and a touchdown. Awesome to see him 
getting into the end zone, being active, a player that we talked a lot about in the preseason. And um, it was nice nice to see that happen. Then we get on the other side. It's, it's really Mark Andrews and Kenyon Drake that lead that offense. Seven for 106 on 11 targets for Andrews. He gets in the end zone. Then we do have Kenyon Drake, 10 for 119 and a touchdown. And then J.K. Dobbins in this one, just seven for 15 going his way. No targets going the way of Dobbins in this one either. Backfield usage for the Ravens, probably the big talking point on their side. And then Barkley and, and Robinson then on the, the Jets side doing doing nice things. Yeah, this again is a really cool game. I uh, The New York Giants aren't the most fun team to watch or the more, most dynamic team when you're thinking about uh, how you're going to set up your weekend of football watching. And yet the coaching here, the way the players have bought in, the way that they're doing everything to maximize the victories. And this is another game where they're down multiple scores. And you would not think that a Giants team that does not have any dynamism in the receiving core doesn't have an elite quarterback in Daniel Jones where you can focus on Saquon Barkley and bottle him up to the tune of 22 for 83. He averages less than four yards per attempt today. You wouldn't think that would be a team that could come from behind, and yet this is the second consecutive week where the Giants have pulled that off. It's just really cool, I think, to see great coaching in action, and that is very clearly what we're getting with the New York Giants. Daniel Bellinger, someone who is a buy in Dynasty, someone who is emerging as a legitimate weapon in that offense, a player who has been below the radar but has plus athleticism, and that's definitely something you want to see there at the tight end position. You mentioned Wandale. It was cool to see him get out there, score his touchdown. He looked fast. He looked physical, a little bit bigger even. (laughs) I think that maybe I was worried because obviously the concern with him is the size He catches three of his four targets. Unfortunately, the one incomplete pass there was a bad drop. You hate to see those drops because, I mean, they could be fantasy points. And then also, you always worry a little bit that it it will impact the next target coming to your guy. The quarterback and the play caller are both going to remember that play. Only four targets in this game when he did look like he was the one guy who had a little bit of an advantage on the defense. That part is frustrating, but... In terms of how little experience he has at the NFL level, it was cool to see him get out there and score a touchdown. The offense does run as much as it runs at all through the best players in terms of Barkley dominating as a runner and then Bellinger and Robinson leading with five and four targets apiece. You mentioned the Ravens side and the rushing breakdown obviously is going to be a talking point. Very disappointing for us who are enthusiastic about J.K. Dobbins that he doesn't factor into this game. And at the same time, if you're looking at a hot hand approach, I mean, you obviously got to go with Kenyon Drake, right? I think that the frustrating thing and and the situation of some of these backfields where you want to encourage the coaches to do something different, I mean, it's obviously not true encouragement. They don't have any interaction with you at all. (laughs) Plus, a fan, when you're hoping that they're going to make a different decision, it's when the evidence points very obviously in that direction this is a situation where Kenyon drake has not been a good running back for a long time and yet when you watch some of the runs in this game you have to give him credit for that you can't just ignore the one of the things with Kenyon drake is that he's a plus athlete or at least was in the past that hasn't really manifested at the nfl level for multiple seasons and yet in this one you got both the long speed and you got the change of direction that the baltimore ravens offense should be able to create holes for when you have lamar jackson so 
if you're going to have Jackson rushing as successfully as he does, he goes seven for 77 in this game. Again, I mean, if you just looked at him from a running back perspective, he'd be one of the best players in the NFL. He's that good out there. You've got to have someone playing off of that. And Kenyon Drake was that in this game. So not a surprise that they let him run. It's still an issue here where I mean, you can't score 20 points if you're the Baltimore Ravens and you have Lamar Jackson. Jackson really struggled as a passer, just 17 for 32, you know, barely 50%, 210 yards. He throws a pick. And this is a team construction issue for the Ravens. They let Marquise Brown go in the offseason. That in and of itself isn't necessarily a problem, but if you're going to do that, you have to take other steps. You watch this game here, and it's just an unmitigated disaster for them. The top two guys in terms of receiving yards are tight ends. Obviously, Mark Andrews is <laughs> the main event. He goes 7-106 and 1. He has 11 targets. One of those targets was a play where he was more or less open in the end zone, but a defender barely touches the ball about five yards before it gets to him. It still hits him cleanly in the chest. It was one that appears to be very catchable, but you think about like, what an amazing computer the human brain is and how quickly it makes all these decisions. I mean, you can think about it from a baseball perspective and how these guys manage to hit a hundred mile an hour fastball. You can think about it in a football perspective and how all these things happen automatically. That ball gets tipped. It doesn't come to you in exactly the spot you were expecting at exactly the speed you're expecting or with the rotation you were expecting. And so someone like Mark Andrews who's making all these amazing plays more or less has a ball bounce off his chest that, you know, otherwise he catches easily. That would have been a second touchdown for him. But the problem is they have nothing else. And so the situation here where if Rashad Bateman is out, then, I mean, where do you go? What do you do? I mean, yeah, the New York Giants have a plus secondary. They're going to slow you down. But Lamar Jackson can't be in a game here where he completes 17 passes. There are five targets to Demarcus Robinson. Demarcus Robinson should not be in the NFL. The Chiefs, one of the things that they emphasized in the offseason is we have to get better at the receiving position. I mean, they haven't made massive upgrades because they still have receivers who are limited. But Demarcus Robinson was the guy who couldn't play for them. I mean, he's the most targeted receiver. Ties with Devin Dubinari, who only goes for one catch 14 yards in this game but robinson it's not just that he's one of the main guys out there but he has a bad drop that really turns this game the ravens just don't have the talent at wide receiver to accomplish their goals that's one of the reasons that they're three and three hopefully rashad bateman will recover from his foot injury and get out there but even he has not played to the level that i was certainly hoping i'm guessing that the ravens were hoping for if you don't have, I mean, this thing with Kenyon Drake, yeah, it was a great game. Maybe he will be able to continue that, but you really need to have J.K. Dobbins emerging as a star runner to get a little bit of that Brees Hall type of dynamic. Give yourself another playmaker to go with Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. As fantastic as they both were in this game, when it's just the two of them, then you can hold the Ravens to 20 points and you lose a game that you probably have no business losing. Yeah, no, I would agree there. And the... the... This, uh, you mentioned that being a fun game. There's a lot of games this week where we maybe thought going in, this is going to be the game where it's going to be a lot of fun. Maybe for me, that game was the the Cardinals versus the Seahawks. But one that, uh, that one there played up. But there's some other interesting matchups. And I'll call this interesting rather than fun. And it was the Minnesota Vikings and the Miami Dolphins. 24-16 it finishes. It was kind of a case where quarter one and quarter three is 0-0 across the board. And quarter, quarter two and quarter four is where the... The majority of the action happened but we do get skyler thompson start here for the dolphins so there would have been obviously concerns heading into it around the likes of tyreek hill 
Jill and Waddle, what might happen there. He plays for, you know, 13 throws in, in his book, but then Teddy Bridgewater comes in. And Teddy Bridgewater looked pretty good in this. Couple of mistakes, two touchdowns, two interceptions, does throw for 329 yards. But the big part of that is with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, they both go for over 120 yards, 129 on six receptions, 10 targets for Jalen Waddle. Tyreek Hill, 177 on 12 tar- or 15 targets on 12 receptions. Hill continues to to really look good in this offense, no matter who the quarterback is, putting up huge yardage numbers so far through the start of this season. Mike Kosicki sighting happens in this game. He gets two touchdowns on seven targets, 69 yards for him. So the Dolphins putting up a lot of fantasy points. A disappointing day from all the running backs, though, for the Miami Dolphins. Mostert, 14 carries, 49 yards for him, which obviously disappointing. Still somebody we really like to continue to try and break out this season. Just the, the one reception, though, for minus one yards going his way. Dalvin Cook, Sean, plays more snaps here than he has over the last couple of weeks. He plays... 88 percent of the viking snaps he hadn't really been getting that kind of full backfield workload with the shoulder injury he gets 13 carries does have a big play where he breaks away which a huge amount of his yardage comes on 77 yards and the russian touchdown for him on the other side then justin jefferson sean just continues to have that little issue where he can't get in the end zone gets tackled again inside the 10 yard line but he goes six for 107 on eight targets and we do see a lot of compressed receiving numbers i know for the dolphins i mentioned three players who have big games for them but when we look at minnesota for example we see this with some other teams this week very very condensed in terms of who put up the numbers and and this particular game you mentioned daniel jones when we were talking with the giants i mentioned the the yardage total of zach wilson earlier but kirk cousins just 175 yards he does get two touchdowns in this game but if your quarterback's putting up 175 yards and you can get 107 of them i think that's (laughs) a pretty substantial return for justin jefferson in a game where um you know the offense didn't do a huge amount but the the vikings come away with the victory here but an interesting game for the miami dolphins with, with bridgewater coming in and he obviously got cleared this week Tua got cleared as well expected the two probably comes back in and in, in week seven here so um it's a lot of a lot of moving pieces here for the miami dolphins there are and this is a team that I think you still have to be very, very excited about to a quarterback who should be a pretty clear QB one over the second half of the season. If he can just stay healthy, some of the teams have had terrible injury luck through the first six weeks. Other teams have come through more or less unscathed. All of these quarterbacks for the dolphins continue to get hurt. And when you're, shuffling players mid-game it creates so many problems this game really the story is game script right you have the vikings up 16 to 3 you have the dolphins frantically trying to come back they basically are in the situation where they can do that jalen waddle a, a tough game and an exciting game at the same time he's still a player where he just needs to be much more physical at the catch point and more solid the explosiveness is so obvious this is a game where he goes for 129 probably if he doesn't continue to drop passes and fumble he maybe can go for 200 right but he has a bad drop on a play that would have been a big game bad fumble too in this situation obviously it kind of ends the game for them 
It really does. A terrible, terrible fumble after a big play that he's made. It looks like and they have all the momentum at that point. Teddy Bridgewater yeah. gets off to a slow start after he replaces Skylar Thompson. Again, that in and of itself, not particularly surprising. But in the end, he averages almost 10 yards per attempt. He throws two touchdowns. He's finding Tyreek Hill at will. Tyreek Hill looks absolutely amazing going for 177 yards today. The other element is that when they get down and they're trailing, they decided to let Mike Kosicki play. Mike Kosicki, one of the best receiving options at tight end in the entire NFL. I think what they were waiting for, Sean, was that everyone would think that Mike Kosicki wasn't part of the team anymore. And then they just, nobody marks him in the end zone. So it's too, <laughs> they were the easiest receiving touchdowns he's ever going to have. Well, Mike McDaniel has done a fantastic job with the Dolphins. They look like they're going to be awesome, a real team of the future. But even yeah. when you're doing a great job overall, you can still make some mistakes. And what they've done with Mike Kosicki in the first month has been a travesty. There were still some targets to other tight ends in this game where they basically make no quality play on the ball. If you just remove those plays, your offense is going to be better. It's absurd that he hasn't factored in more they're just you if you don't want to play him at tight end just put him in there as a wide receiver have him play like that there are so few players in the nfl of any size who can match his athleticism to have a player like the that de-emphasize you're just you're hurting yourself it, it makes absolutely no sense he's a huge impact player in this game he helps pull them back along with tyree kill if they get a more solid performance from Jalen waddle they win this game Right. I mean, it really comes down to Jalen Waddle making plays that a player of his caliber should easily make. And I think that he will make those plays going forward. He's just simply too good. You look to the Viking side of the ball, and it is interesting because Dalvin Cook ends up with an encouraging game. And yet, before that 53 yard touchdown happens, and one of the reasons why you want to have Dalvin Cook is because he has the big play ability there. You know, anytime people say, well, take away this or take away that. And I'm like, well, you're about to give bad analysis because <laughs> you cannot take those plays away. Those plays matter. Those plays are one of the reasons why the explosive players are coveted in fantasy. But until you have that play in this game, he was looking, I mean, like a player who is more or less done, right? The Vikings offense, I think, has been mildly disappointing. You get Justin Jefferson, and everyone else is clearly playing off of him. And yet, even with that being the case, you're not seeing the explosiveness from Adam Thielen. You're not seeing either KJ Osborne or Irv Smith really emerge. Now, Smith does catch four passes and a touchdown in this game, but only goes for seven total yards. I would like to think that this Vikings team is not going to be as limited as they often look. This is, again, just really totally and completely a tale of game script and how things that transpire early in the game influence how the entire rest of the game is played. But when you have Teddy Bridgewater average almost 10 yards per attempt and Kirk Cousins down there under six and the Vikings, I mean, again, looking like a very mediocre team, not a bad team by any stretch, but a mediocre team for them to be five and one, they do seem like one of the five and one mirages through six weeks. Yeah, the one thing here, I'm just going to ask you this, with uh, Tyreek Hill, so far this season, you know, I, I think he, he looks fantastic. He's 701 receiving yards on 50 receptions. Just there's two receiving touchdowns, but if we look at what he's done uh, so far, we have three games shot at this point over 160 yards. He's put up 177, 160, and 190. Each of those have been every two games, though. So does that mean that 
based on the the other games that we see here with the 33 and the set the 47 yards are we in for a a low total for hell next week or is he going to continue with uh, one of those big days amazing to be at this point of the season and to have three games over the the 160 yeah no i mean he's obviously not going to have too many of those games but well he's he's probably going to have more than most though <laughs> well yeah because tyreek hill has four two speed that cannot be controlled and you have Jalen Waddle, another one of the fastest receivers in the NFL. And even though he's corralled in this game, you have Raheem Mostert, one of the fastest running backs. You have Mike Gesicki, possibly the most athletic tight end, at least the most athletic tight end who is not on a team that passes 15 times a game. And so from that perspective, the Miami Dolphins are a difficult offense to deal with when Tua comes back and is pulling a quicker trigger on these passes i just would like to see the dolphins go out and say look we're three and three but we've established a lot of our weapons we look like we're going to be very good as opposed to controlling the game let's go out there and put 50 on a team let's go out there and put 60 on a team let's go and dominate people and embarrass people the way that the patriots did in their various revenge seasons when they're trying to get back at the nfl for having caught them cheating Imagine that you were just caught cheating, which the Dolphins, you don't have to imagine the Dolphins have been caught cheating multiple times. Now they like don't get to pick forever again because of all the times they were cheating. Go out there now and put 50 points on people. You can. You have Tyree Kill. You have Jalen Waddell. You've got a quarterback who before the concussion was looking like one of the handful of big breakout stars for the 2022 season. I mean, we've got a lot of Raheem Mostert. We'd love to see 50-yard touchdown runs from him, but let's go scorched earth. If you're the Miami Dolphins. Speaking of scars, stairs, that is what Jamar Chase did down in New Orleans. We get Joe Burrow with a nice day here, 300 yards, exactly three touchdowns from him. He does have a rushing touchdown, 25 yards as well. With Jamar Chase, those seven receptions on 10 targets for 132 and two touchdowns. Looks really, really good here. We have Tyler Boyd having a pretty solid day. T. Higgins is active, does get 10 targets, six receptions, 47 yards. And then we get Alvin Kamara on the the Saints side. Looks, I think. I think Alvin Kamara looks to be. I'll be interested to see your thoughts. I think he looks pretty much all the way back to what we would hope he would look from an athletic perspective. The offense maybe holding him back in certain situations. Andy Dalton, seventeen to thirty-two, one hundred and sixty-two yards, one touchdown in this one. He did get the start over James Winston. Then we have Taysom Hill two for four. Taysom Hill coming back to earth in this with you know no no touchdowns of any kind but five for 39 on that side a mixed match uh at wide receiver kind of going through this one take one smith does get in the end zone with that andy dalton touchdown but sean overall i think burrow with one of his better performances this season jamar chase obviously helping that tremendously with how he played in this one the other big question going into this again was t higgins t higgins was active do you start him do you not i did start him in most of the leagues that i have him uh, unless i had you know obviously a really stacked receiving core which we do in a lot of a lot of situations but he um you know with the bye weeks with somebody who with injuries and things that i did slot in a, a number of spots how did you approach t higgins and then what did you think of the the cincinnati Bengals and, and their win here in new orleans yeah i didn't play him i i don't anybody who did i have no problem with that because we know what t higgins can do if he has the jamar chase line which we've seen before and you had him on your bench, then you'd have a hard time living with yourself. But 
after last week, after his practice participation in what could end up being a tough matchup with the Bengals looking so bad, the way that we draft, I think that Higgins was a pretty clear bench player this week. It kind of panned out that way. That's not guaranteed. You play that game again. Maybe he has a bigger game. You don't know going in that the Bengals have finally decided to play this season. Now, part of this, again, is going to be a little bit game script related. They have to fight from behind and successfully do it in this one. But we get much more the type of game that we've been begging for all season where Joe Mixon carries eight times and Joe Burrow throws 37. Not surprisingly, when you replace some of those empty Joe Mixon touches with targets to Jamar Chase, then a game like this can emerge. Anytime that Jamar Chase goes on a little bit of a dry stretch, and that's probably going to happen at times over the next five years because you have some play calling that will probably not be optimal and you have T Higgins there. And so you're going to say, well, maybe he just doesn't deserve those prices. If you think he's going to go on some dry spells, but outside of Cooper cup and perhaps Justin Jefferson, there just aren't receivers in the NFL who multiple times throughout the course of the season are going to have games like this, where you have the seven, one thirty-two, and two, at least for the time being, your Jamar Chase by window has slammed shut again. He's going to have more of these. He looked good. He actually dropped what would have been. It wasn't in the end zone. It was at the two-yard line, but the based on the trajectory of his body, where the defender was, his momentum would have carried him into the end zone. Drops a touchdown early in the game, and it was a pretty clear-cut drop, too, not one where you know, it would have been a tough play or the defender touches the ball or something like that. It was one where the defender more or less falls down, Obviously, you're dealing with so many things as a receiver out there. You're backpedaling. You know, you're trying to make a play on the ball. I'm not saying it's an easy catch, but it is a drop. And so when you're looking at like what could have been in this game, you know, three touchdowns was definitely on the table. There's, there's been a theme of this show, Sean, of offenses doing things the right way and offenses that are broken. An offense that looks to be very much broken for me is the Arizona Cardinals offense. Now, they do get DeAndre Hopkins back this upcoming week, but they lose here on the road to seattle 19 to 3 they are now two and four the seahawks three and three continue to do pretty solid stuff but this game was not one of those games that is going to excite you not huge numbers from anyone but the big talking point is obviously rashad penny now is out for the season kenneth walker steps and how will he look when he has to handle a full workload he gets 21 carries 97 yards one touchdown from him also gets three targets two receptions 13 yards looks explosive when he is coming out of the backfield rushing the ball i thought he was impressive here Geno smith gets 48 yards on the ground disappointing day from smith overall 197 yards passing and because of that 179 yards passing there's not a huge amount going to the likes of dk metcalf who's held to 34 yards you get tyler lockett 17 yards both of those guys just two receptions noah fant actually leads the way in this one six receptions of seven targets and 45 yards so a real spread out offense in terms of the wide receivers the only real positive note i guess when we're talking about it is kenneth walker on the seahawks side you tell me sean was there a positive note to find on the arizona cardinal side i i find it very hard to find one here well no man i wouldn't say that there is a positive note well deandre hopkins is coming back that might be a positive note yeah I, at the beginning this of this game, game this first drive i'm thinking Man, as soon as they get Hopkins back, this is going to be one of the most dynamic offenses in the NFL. It's a 14-play drive. 
it ends well they start the game with a 10 play field goal drive where they're unable to punch it in even though they have second and goal from the two yard line kyler murray has a play where he decides to keep it and then when it's going to obviously not work instead of then dumping the ball off he takes a four yard loss and then you have third and five instead of third and goal from the one decision making here was was very frustrating that follows with a 14 play drive where you turn the ball over on down so your first two drives 24 plays you get three points out of it that leads to some frustration and then you get some three and outs to finish the rest of the first half seattle really locked them down you start the second half with a nine play drive that ends on downs again a situation where you just have to execute on some of these plays the fourth down play is a heave up to aj green in the end zone where i mean he looked 100 years old aj green should not be on the field it's absolutely ridiculous you cannot be an nfl team and put him out there there's no reason to have cut andy isabella who yeah maybe he's a draft bust maybe you're very frustrated with how he played aj green brings you absolutely nothing andy isabella is at least fast and the defense is going to have to account for him running straight down the field what I mean, Kyler Murray made some mistakes in this game, but he was also dealing with A.J. Green out there running routes, which is an absurdity. He ran a lot in this game. He ran very effectively at times. He also made some mistakes where maybe he's trying to do too much. Maybe he simply is not where he needs to be yet in processing. But after that drive that ends on downs, you have him rushing converting a third and six but failing to pay attention to the defense the ball gets knocked away from him and he fumbles so you lose that and the game gets away from you at that point then you go down and the next play is also the next drive is also a turnover on downs inside the the seattle 25 you have a three and out and then you have an 11 play drive that ends in an interception the theme here is that anytime that you have Kyler Murray, you only scored nine points. Obviously, you know, some things went wrong. You're probably not surprised to find out that downs, downs, turnovers, you know, fumbles, interceptions, that that was the theme. It wasn't an issue, though, so much of moving the ball, which is one that when you watch a team struggle with that, when you watch the Green Bay Packers today, for example, and you're thinking, I mean, this team has to fix a lot of things. With the Arizona Cardinals, now granted, it's against a, a defense that's not even any good, which is one of the issues that you're looking at here. But it's not so much a, a problem of moving the ball, but execution from the quarterback, execution from the play caller. DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best players in the NFL, if he comes back and is anything like what he has been. Now, one of the red flags with him is that he did not play quite as well last year, even before the injury, and then you have the suspension. There is a little bit of concern that he might be moving into his like aj green post you know having injuries that he dealt with forever moving into his michael thomas post having injuries that he dealt with forever julio jones alan robinson guys who really pretty quickly i mean it's not exactly overnight because there are injuries involved and it hasn't been overnight for deandre hopkins to have him really be a superstar you've got to go back several years in time right but the catalyst often makes it unclear until people have chased those points or ch chased that production for a long time. I'm optimistic that DeAndre Hopkins is going to come back and be a star, but I don't think that we can overlook the potential that he's moving into the phase of his career that might be a little bit more 
Allen Robinson-ish. Yeah, and Allen Robinson will talk about that game later in the week. He does get into the end zone, so, you know, but still, being Allen Robinson-ish is not a good thing. And, you know, I, I think at this point, A.J. Green has been close to, you know, the centurion mark for a number of years in terms of being 100 years old, Sean. Uh, I don't think he gets the late stage Antonio Gates treatment, you know, in terms of that's still one of my favorite lines you've ever ushered on the, the podcast. That was for David Johnson uh, back in the day. But yeah, I think that would be harsh on late stage Antonio Gates at this point in the way that AJ Green has played over the last two seasons. But that is going to do it for this part of the recap show. We will be back with another podcast coming out on Wednesday. Make sure you are subscribed to the Road of His Overtime podcast feed. That is how you get that as soon as possible. And sneak behind the curtain you often get that on tuesday afternoon if you are subscribed to the road of his overtime podcast feed so if you're looking for it early that's a little wink to make sure you are subscribed to the road of his overtime podcast feed the the link to that will be in today's show notes to get all those shows as soon as they drop that's always the first place to hear from me and sean but that is our week six nfl recap show we will be back as i mentioned on tuesday on the road of his overtime podcast feed or wednesday on all other platforms that you might want to listen in to us my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland of course sean siegel you can check out all of sean's work up on roadwiz.com and until we are back with another show have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on roadwiz radio please rate and review the roadwiz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at roadwizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at roadwiz radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to roadwiz with this country the roadwiz radio homepage roadwiz.com forward slash podcast everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.